And we're back. This is Model Behavior. I am Michael G. Gable, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. I like to interview models, photographers, casting directors, agents, stylists, anyone related to the modeling industry, and anyone I find creatively interesting who I think is living a model life or trying to incorporate model behavior into their life, hence the name of this podcast. And today, it's super early. I'm up at 5.30, getting ready to go for a little surf before I have a fit modeling job in El Segundo for Fabletics. And then I've got four auditions that I have to run around to like a madman. So I'll be driving around listening to podcasts and trying to keep my head clear while I try on my various wardrobe for dad role, fitness role, uh, upscale casual role. And that's just kind of a little window into the life of a model. And I want to give a little bigger window into the life of a model through this podcast. And um, a lot of times people's stories are much more interesting than you realize. And I want to help share those through this platform. And today's guest, Keenan Eames, is no exception. He's an exceptional model here in LA. I've had the privilege of working with him many times. I've learned a lot from him. And he has an amazing story. We we went through his entire origin story about how he started modeling, how he developed his career, and how, how modeling helped him grow as a person, how it actually helped him reconnect with his father. Um, it was a really touching conversation. I was so honored to have had it with him, and I'm really honored to share it with you guys. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you listen. Without further ado, Keenan Eames. Nobody wants to take photos of us. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we get out of it. So yeah, just keep that mic right up to your face and we're off and running, man. Oh, it really started? Okay, yeah. let's get right into it. Uh, welcome to it. Thanks for being here, brother. Ooh, what's up, man? How Thanks you for doing? having me in uh, this little nook we're in. I love quiet it. Spot. You know? Where are we? El Centro. Shout out to El Centro. <laughs> Shout out to El Centro Apartments. Yeah, right here. Uh, how you been, man? No, I've been amazing, dude. It's been great, man. I'm excited for 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, shoot, ever since I've known you every year, it's just been getting better. Right? You know? It seems I, like we see each other more and more at auditions. Exactly. You know, You're always a good, good face to see, always smiling. Exactly. I feel like you know half the people in every audition waiting room. No, to be honest, <laughs> like half the time, like we don't even get to read like the sides where we end up just talking. Oh, yeah. how you been? Yeah. You know, catching up. And then we'll just pretty much just ask, oh, what'd you have to do in the audition? And instead of yeah, reading the yeah. breakdown, I just tell you real quick, oh, this is the key part. Listen yeah, yeah. to this. They want you to be Say serious, that. like serious tone. Don't smile. No teeth. <laughs> you know, it's just like those little tip, tips help you so much. No, always, man. But yeah, it's been good, dude. Good. Man, yeah, this year's been amazing so far. Um, yeah, I'm excited for everything to come. All right, so let's get the first question out of the way. Awesome. What were you up to when you were seven years seven, old? Seven, the infamous question. Yeah, Ooh, you know it. Man, let's see. That's between what? First and second grade? Yep. Well, I did not have the perfect childhood growing up. Okay. Not say it's like a it's a dark story. There are a lot of beautiful things, but I grew up uh, in a single parent household with my mom. I was raised by my mom and my grandma. Mm -hmm. And for that time between, I guess first and second grade, I was transferring to another school. So I got kicked out of Catholic school when I was in first Dude, grade. I got kicked out of Catholic school. Man, <laughs> yeah, I've gone to almost. I don't, know. I don't know what it was, but you know, I was a really active kid. Growing up, I was just always outside, never really did my homework. Yeah. I always got in trouble. Was by, it run by nuns? 
Kind of. It was yeah. like, you know, it was, I wouldn't say nuns, but the teachers are almost like nun-esque where they give that kind of discipline. Yep. Where it's like in that school, I, I don't want to say the school because I don't want them to get in trouble. Yeah. But, you know, like they, they, they take disciplinary action a little bit seriously. I wouldn't say it's like abusive, but, yeah. you know, you go in the corner, you feel shameful for what you did. Really? They put you in the corner like a dunce. It's, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's almost that kind of old feeling, school. old school, school yeah. like Catholic school you know type of environment so yeah you know, my school was it was a catholic school and it was it was co-ed through sixth grade and then it was all girls through high school wow. run by nuns and they just couldn't deal with boys yeah like, boys I have think, so much energy especially around that age exactly and then fifth grade they kicked out like three of my friends and there was only a class of like 50 so that's really like a lot a good percentage of the boys got kicked out in two days and i guess i was next on the list but i s escaped by you the skin escaped? of my teeth yeah nice man <laughs> yeah because i remember that school i was at it was literally uh kindergarten to 12 yeah and we only had like one uh grade per class so there was like a first grade class second grade class and there's probably like uh 30 students in each super class small, yeah. super small private uh um catholic school and yeah man i just kept getting into trouble you know uh not doing homework you know they'd make us like write the prayers like hail mary's and our fathers like 10 times when we messed up yeah like trouble. repent yeah, yeah that's <laughs> um, you know and then other things like i would get into fights um you know i might beat up a kid or two because he might call me dumb because i didn't do my homework yeah. did you get beat up by a kid or two uh, no I, to be honest <laughs> i was usually the one enforcing yeah uh, just because i grew up in like a low-income section apartment complex so, so tough, the community yeah. that i was at when i was in elementary school was complete opposite of my environment right so a lot of the kids that went to the private catholic school you know they grew up in like you know both moms work you know full-time jobs they have a nanny yeah um they, you know, they have extracurricular activities that their parents support them in. You know, I had a single mother. She worked as a flight attendant for Southwest. She still works for them. It's been like 20 plus years. Yeah. So she was gone a lot. So I was raised by my grandmother um, and a single, you know, in like a one bedroom apartment. With, yeah. Um, Do you think you, know, you had sort of a chip on your shoulder uh, of like jealousy towards the kids who had more than you? Or was it man. just that was your environment? That's how you knew to live? Uh, to be honest, when I was that young, um, I didn't really feel the chip on my shoulder until I guess I got into sports and I saw um, the difference between uh, boys who had their dads involved in their sports mm. and then me growing up. Um, you know, because I didn't have a father figure. Um, the closest thing I had to my father figure was my grandfather, but he died when I was in third grade. And okay. all the men in my family are military, so they've all kind of just been overseas yeah. in the Navy or Marine. So I was kind of grew up by a tribe of women. Yeah. And I was kind of baby since I was the only well, boy. Well, that's why you're such a sweetheart. No, now. definitely, yeah. right? You know, I feel like that's some part of the reason why I could communicate well with women. Not like I'm a player or anything. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm like, you know, I'm a you know, I'm a one girl type of guy, but. You know, I feel like a lot of my communication skills and just how I could be empathetic came from growing up with someone. Absolutely. You know, with kind of a lot of love in my house. Yeah. You know, so I had like my aunts, um, like two of my aunts living in the apartment, my uh, my grandmother and her friends. So everyone, all, um, my, all the you know, women. And yeah, and yeah, pretty much, you know, they all loved me since I was the only boy, so I was spoiled a lot. Of course. And yeah, so, and then, yeah, after, yeah, first grade getting kicked out, because I went to the principal's office like five times. Mm -hmm. You know, remember back in elementary school, we had to change our cards, where it's like, oh, you have the green card, you're good. Yeah. And then, you know, it goes like red, yellow. Yeah, we and got then, slips, we got white slips, yellow slips, yeah. pink slips. So I kept, I was, I was always on like the yellow and the black card which is i don't know for how it was for some schools but black card is like you're about to go to the principal's office yeah. i was always teetering from yellow to black yeah i was always never in green or red or something like that Whatever from the good what ones i remember were. yeah but yeah after that my mom 
had to put me in public school just because we were going through stuff in my family because my grandfather was the one who would take me to school mm-hmm. and then he kept having like heart problems um he was just kind of sick uh you know he probably had, like four open heart surgeries in Whoa. his life and he was the one that was taking me to school and there was a part where you know he had a heart attack while he was driving got into a car accident Jesus. and then so he wasn't able to necessarily drive like he had to kind of retest for his license and stuff so i ended up going to the elementary school that was across the street from the apartment complex i grew up was which was los pen so, los pen right so i could walk my grandma could take me and then, yeah, from there, like, that's where I was kind of around kids more of, like, who are like me. Mm-hmm. You know, kids who I played with in my apartment complex. You know, we played all kinds of sports, like basketball, yeah. tag, till the sun's down. And right when the lights are up, that's when you, you know, run back to home. Yeah, before, classic story. Yeah, right before... Um, you know, they're already yelling for your name, like, Keenan, come home. Dinner's on the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, scary home. And, yeah, I was just always outside, man. Like, Yeah. Was it still pretty rough and tumble with all those kids? Were you getting s- fights and all that um, stuff? Um, Here and there, you know, but, like, growing up in that environment, you know, it was mostly a lot of people of color, a lot of, like, Mexican-American, you know, African-American, you know, Filipino-American mm-hmm. communities. What um, city are you in? Um, I was in San Diego. Okay. So, I grew up in, like, Mira Mesa, Rancho Penasquitos area. Okay. So there is, there's a big Filipino and military community because the, the military base there is Miramar. Yeah. And so I had a lot of family in the military. So whenever we go, you know, shopping, we go to the base because like tax free. Right. Um, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was still very like everyone kind of knew each other. We're all friends, but, you know, we were still kind of aggressive. We all wanted to prove ourselves through sports. Yeah. So you probably gravitated towards sports. It gave you like, despite having a father figure or not having a father figure who was involved, probably gave you some structure and some discipline definitely. to reel you in a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And it was funny because honestly, I didn't even start playing sports um, um, competitively or in organized sports until I was 12. Yeah. Just because during that age where I was like seven through 11, 11 my mom wanted me to grow up in like school and arts yeah um, just because my mother was valedictorian when she was in college back in the philippines and she was like always an a a plus student mm-hmm. um me on the other hand you know just trying to graduate <laughs> <laughs> you know like oh 2.0 perfect yeah <laughs> but did you pour yourself into the arts at all i mean i did actually that sports influence usually does come from the father so it makes sense that your mom would push you towards the arts did you like it did you i i I would say like I loved it because it's a part of who I am. Yeah. You know, like, it's funny. Like one of the first things I was in was choir. Yep. Like I don't really sing. I sing. I know how to sing in a choir you setting. You freestyle sometimes. Yeah, a little in your bit. Car. You know, I'll be yeah. down. You know, I got the golden voice a little bit. <laughs> you know, but it was something that my mom and her her sisters were into because they grew up in the church choir. Yep. Um, and that was something that my grandma was into because my grandmother grew up as a nun. Um, so, you know, spirituality and like Jesus were very big in our family. Sure. And then so, yeah, so the, that was one of the first things I did. I hated it, to be honest. I didn't understand we, why we weren't getting paid. <laughs> I always had this hustler mentality really? as a kid. Like, I remember, I remember one of the first things I would always say to, I guess, the conductor or the, the leader of our little, like, choir band mm-hmm. was, okay, we're going to be on KUSI News, which is a local news station yeah. in San Diego. I was like, okay, are you getting paid? I asked him. He's like, yes. And I'd be like, okay, how come we're not getting paid? I'm like seven, <laughs> eight years old asking this question. It's like the NCAA argument. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. right? So from there, you know, I always knew I had, like, more entrepreneurial business mindset. Mm-hmm. My mom kind of saw that. But, 
you know, she was always afraid for me to get hurt because I loved playing like com uh, contact sports. Yeah. Like football. I would always be getting into fights as basketball, a kid. Basketball. Yeah. Like yeah. throwing elbows. I'd come out with a busted lip from playing basketball because people are throwing bows, yeah. elbows. Or, you know, just being competitive. Sure. And, you know, I didn't care if I got hurt. I just I just loved having fun. I wouldn't notice until I started bleeding. And I was right. like, oh, crap. Yeah. And then, you know, growing up with all women, they get upset. Like, oh, my gosh, you got to be careful. You know, et cetera. So, yeah, I would say, like, the arts really shaped, you know, I guess how to market and brand myself as a talent in this mm -hmm. industry. And I feel like it holds some sort of... Uh, I guess, differentiating factor for people who just grow up in just strictly sports. Yeah. Uh, just because I feel like for me as a, you know, as a talent in this industry, it's nice that I, I feel like I could jump into both worlds if I wanted to for yeah. an audition, for a role. Well, I mean, anything. we work with a lot of sports models who have come from super rigorous sports backgrounds, mm -hmm. athletic backgrounds who, you know, played, if not pro college level, you know, NCAA division one. And, the flip side of that, like you're talking about the branding is really important this day and age in like social media and lifestyle modeling because you got to have an image. You got to have something beyond just having a good running stride, which will get definitely. you some jobs, but definitely. not all the jobs. Definitely. You know, that's definitely true. And, you know, I'm lucky enough where sports was always kind of like the central of the things I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I love competing. You know, I'm never, I'm not that kind of guy that just wants to win and be better. I just like the camaraderie of what sports brings. Yeah. Just because I grew up with, you know, mostly women and without a father, I feel like sports gave me that environment of a camaraderie, brotherhood, sure. friendship, you know, just and male influence. Yeah, male too. influence in general. Cause I'd say some of my, the people I look up to most, I would say some of my pop wonder coaches growing up really, influenced my personality yeah, and I how i approach you know um difficulty and you know learning how to pick yourself up and dust you know wipe the dirt dirt off your shoulder when you feel you got that chip on your shoulder and when you feel like you're down you know yeah. learning how to you know boost the morale in yourself and within your community and people who you know you consider teammates or brothers or family right you know just learning how to get over hardship like, i feel that's what sports taught me yeah, if you have good coaches, I mean, that's invaluable. And football is a big one for that. What else did you play? Man, football, definitely. Played basketball. Mm -hmm. Man, I grew up like an all-around athlete. All, both of my grandparents were boxers in the Navy. Cool. So, you know, that's like a hobby of mine. Love the box. Um, man, ran track and field Yeah, also. you're a good runner. We met on the A6 shoot. Yeah, shoe. We, on the A6 shoot, man. Yeah. That was like, what, three, four years ago? Well, we did the first one where you, you had that awesome shot of you doing like a long jump, remember? Oh, when you were yeah, just like man. laid out, Definitely. fucking Superman style. That was, that was so much fun, honestly. And then they brought us in for that San Francisco shoot. Yes, that was like, what, eight Kelsey days? Kelsey and Blaine and yeah. Allie and everyone. That was an amazing opportunity. Honestly, yeah. that has to be hands down probably my favorite shoot I've ever done in my career. That was you cool. You know, for that many days, yeah. you know, the kind of morale that we kind of created in the bond that kind of created amongst the talent yeah. and they were working you they put we, you in a lot of looks man no that's what i'm saying you know that i think that was the first shoot big shoot in my career that pushed me and catapulted me to working with almost every brand because yep. that was the first asics was the first big international brand i worked with and from there it was like nike adidas yep. um you know you get that momentum going you get those tears Whew. and then you prove that you can do it and then yeah like before you know you work with every shoe company there is no definitely it's funny like yeah whenever i go into running auditions like half of my buddies like oh keenan's here yeah <laughs> you know i don't think i'm gonna get it this time yeah. like we got the running man over here <laughs> well you got that you got that hoppa look right <laughs> mm -hmm, definitely then, that mix where it's like very ambiguous yeah you know, shout out to my mom and dad. You know, it's funny. I actually recently um, got into contact with my father probably the last three years. Wow. So I've been 
um, you know, building my relationship with him and it's been great, yeah. you know? And so, and I would say a, a lot of that has to do with modeling and pursuing uh, my dreams in acting, Yeah, you know, when, you know, you're in a commercial, a national commercial, or you're in an ad in a mall, you know, it kind of like, you know, helped me, I guess, find my father in a way. Really? Yeah, definitely. How did that, how did that happen? Man, I would say a lot of it was on through social media, to be honest, like, um, my social media presence kind of grew dramatically out of yep. nowhere. I think I did this Powerade shoot that was for the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and you, from, have a, you have a fan page. You know that? Yeah, I, uh, they, they reached out to me. They asked for you to be on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Are you serious? I mean, lots of people ask for you to be on the podcast. Everyone loves you. But this, yeah, it's like Keenan Eames sports model yeah, fan it's, page. Yeah, it's crazy. Honestly, like, I have no idea who makes these You're doing fan something pages. right, man. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with just trying to do your due diligence and respond to everybody that comments on your stuff. And, yeah. you know, going back and liking something and just being simple and saying, thank you. I yeah. appreciate your support. Will make people want to go over you know above and beyond for you well yeah and just being active in the community it's like everyone wants likes and comments and engagement but it's like are you giving any of that out exactly. are you engaging with the people who like i try to follow every model director photographer Definitely. sound person makeup artist i work with and i try to stay engaged in their life not because like i necessarily want them to do the same to me but because they're a friend like you become friends and like Definitely. you become friends on set for a day and then like it doesn't have to end there necessarily no it doesn't and so I've, the more active you are the more you'll grow so it's yeah probably what happened to you that's what i'm saying it's funny you'll work with a lot of people like or like the same people especially because i know we've we've shot together yeah we end up work booking when working with each other like back to back mm -hmm. you know because we did our part on the first a6 shoot and then the next thing you know yeah we booked the international and we shoot. have different looks so yeah and they're still compete. using those photos till this day man yeah yep. which is dope like we go into any random asic store like i might have like a blow up photo i might see a blow up photo of you yeah i might see a blow up, blow up photo of blaine or kelsey yep. or ali yep. you know so it's just it's awesome man and i, I love how well diverse they casted that yeah we were super you know? diverse so that, that's the thing i'm enjoying about this industry too like the growth in diversity mm -hmm. you know because it's like when i first started modeling man you know i wasn't booking any jobs yeah. and no like, it, it takes a long it time it takes a while you know but hold on i want to go back to this social media helping you find your dad That's were you true. were you looking for him did you know where he was and you were just estranged was it just a bad relationship it was i would say you know growing up i never really had any contact with him until i was 18 mm -hmm. and then you know he, he wrote me a letter really sweet heartfelt letter but I was, I was kind of at that age where, like, I was still trying to find self-discovery within who I was. Sure. And who, you know, um, what I wanted to do in life. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of hesitated to reach out just because, like, I was very much yearning for, you know, that kind of, like, you know, fatherly, that father and son relationship. Yeah. But I knew I actually already had that in my relationship with my mom. And I had that in relationships with some of my uncles. Sure. You know, who, you know, helped really shape who I was. And even, like, family friends. And, you know, so I felt like I never had, like, a shortness of love in my growing up. Because mm -hmm. I found that through, you know, everywhere I went. Just because I just tried to be open and be as nice as possible. And because you were still, you know, kind of self-actualizing, figuring out who you were at that age. Were you think you were hesitant to, to get involved with someone who wasn't in your eyes an ideal male figure do you I think would, they would have a bad like a negative influence on you or um, you maybe a little bitter yeah of course you know i feel like growing up especially when i was between the ages of like uh 12 and then high school like 12 to 18 yeah you know i feel like that's where you do a lot of like you know i still feel like i still think a lot of the ways i did when i was 12 yeah you know and 
growing up and being very competitive in sports and always being one of the top players on my team and getting recognition from all my coaches, I felt like growing up and not having that father figure in my life really, you know, sports really gave me that outlet to, you know, push that controlled aggression, especially yeah. in football. Yeah. You know, a lot of like the coach's sons are always the star players, but I ended up being like the star player over the coach's sons. Yeah. And you worked th- twice as hard. Yeah. Twor- worked twice as hard. And my grandma was always at my practices, you know, whenever she could. Um, my mom would try to show up to games and practices and she'd work her schedule around, you know, the all the things I was competing in, you know, and I was very lucky that my mother was very supportive of everything I wanted to do. She never made me feel less because I didn't have like a father figure yeah. in my life, you know. So and you're I, able to do so much on your own with the support of the women in your life that I could imagine you'd be like, well, I don't, I don't need this relationship. Yeah, exactly. And and plus, I wanted to show forth and have something to provide because during that time when I was 18, um, I didn't get into the university I dreamed of when I was young, mm-hmm. and. You know, that kind of set me back and made me feel insecure about my future. And I didn't know if I, you know, if I could bring value to his life and show him, oh, like, look, like, I got a full ride scholarship to this D1 school. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't, but, you know, that didn't work out the way I wanted to in my head. So I kind of felt ashamed to my, in myself because I wanted the, you know, at the same time, prove to him, like, I did this without you. Oh, yeah. But at the same time. But be impressive. I, same- I wanted to sh- have something to show forth, yeah. you know and honor my family in something that I worked hard in. And then so I kind of like dwelled back just because I was still soul searching for who I was. Sure. Because, you know, any kid after high school, they say they want to do this, but realistically, oh, yeah. no one really knows. I was going to be a hell. banker. Look right? at me now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, at first, when I was young, I wanted to be a... Uh, what was it? Anesthesiologist. Yeah. Just because growing up, growing up Filipino-American, you know, they always tell you, your family's, oh, become a nurse. Oh, you make so much good money. Mm. That's <laughs> a Filipino fob accent for anyone that knows. So that's pretty much because I grew up, all my aunts are nurses. Yep. And, you know, they've been able to have stable careers. Uh-huh. Good income. Um, good income. Benefits, you know, you're helping that, yeah. people. Yep. Hospital benefits are like the best benefits. Mm-hmm. And I grew up seeing a lot of my elders, you know, suffer from, you know, a lot of like, you know, you know, just health related sure, issues, yeah. you know, like heart, you know, heart problems, diabetes, you know, a lot of that is the lack of diet and exercise and just not having that awareness. Sure. So I thought, okay, medical field is something I could totally jump into. But then when I realized how much uh, work it is, medical school, yeah, medical residency, school, all, that, all stuff. that. And I already knew like I was never, I was in general, I'm not like a student student type yeah. of guy um, I would say I'm more of the creative mindset sure. growing up when I was like 7, 8 I was always into like music yeah. I was into you know you're I a was, hustler you're trying to I make money like, in the choir yeah exactly yeah. like I remember when I was young like I would like trace Dragon Ball Z comics yeah, and then try to sell like, like um, I would try to sell drawings of like GBZ characters I would trace and then we would you know back in the day the, the binders with the sleeve yep, yep, and then yep. people would always put like you know stickers or pictures I would always try to sell like a dollar for this uh, drawing so they could put on their binder yeah. cover so I could go buy an ice cream at yeah. lunch. So you, you, know? you were outside the standard track. You were hustling outside the lines. Basically. Yeah, even as a little kid, just because I knew like growing up, my family didn't have money. My yeah. grandma, she she worked as a caregiver for elderly. So I was always around uh, elderly and just like blue collar work and, you know, 
all that kind of stuff. So I understood yeah. the value of hard work and having the hustler mentality. So you didn't get into the college that you dreamed of. Yeah. Did you end up going to a different school? Um, I went to community college out in San Diego. Okay. I was there a little bit longer than expected. Yeah. You know, I because I, I went from my medical and realized, okay, I don't want to take bio, yeah. all these classes. So then I switched to business marketing just because during that time, when I was like 16 um, through 18, I had me and my friends, we had this music collective group called Uncommon Value. So that was kind of like the, the brand we were working on. But first we were just, you know, we were touring around high schools in our district and doing like rap concerts yeah. over talent shows. Yeah. You know, and you know, we, we'd roll deep with like 10 of our best friends and we support like all our friends that were making music. At that mm -hmm. time I was, you know, making music with my, you know, my, one of my first girlfriends, posting it on YouTube, yeah. you know. So I have like a lot of friends in the YouTube community who are like singers, um, et cetera, just because we all used to meet up and stuff. Shout out to my buddy Jeff Burnett, another f amazing Filipino American artist. Check him out. He's touring out in, uh, where is he going? I think he's going to uh, uh, Korea again. He tours oh, in sick. Korea all the time. Oh, so, damn. Yeah, he kills it on his streaming platforms, et cetera. So check him out. He's another amazing yeah. guy. Um, but anyways... But that business marketing probably ties into what you're talking about, just branding yourself. Exactly. And, you know, from the music standpoint, we actually ended up switching over to a clothing company Whoa. when we were 18 through like 23, um, just because we felt during the time, uh, you know, this was before Instagram. It was just more MySpace music, yep, yep. you know? And then so we're, and during that time, we didn't really see a market for us like as Asian American, at least what my friends identified with as, okay, we're Asian American artists. There's not really a whole lot of Asian American uh, hip hop artists in that time. Right. And so we kind of, um, you know, slept on our music uh, endeavors and switched to more like graphic design and more to, uh, you know, pop culture just because during mm -hmm. that time we were into brands like the hundreds. More marketable. Um, you know, marketable. Yeah. And we were focused more on like streetwear because that was like things we we're always passionate about, like yep. SB Dunks, yep. Jordans, you know. I grew up, uh, you know, not being well off where I could buy stuff at like Nordstrom's or even Ross as a kid. Like I had yeah. to go to Salvation Army or Goodwill and I would learn how to, you know, arrange clothing. And I would, you know, from from there for like get a two dollar shirt and make it look like it's a hundred bucks. Yeah. You style it. So that's how I, mean, I look at you right now. Your Chargers sweatshirt. Yeah. From my, yeah, my 94 Chargers. Yeah. Thank you. You yeah. know, I've always had like a passion for like vintage streetwear in general. Which and, is huge right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the things I did as a as a kid kind of ties into what I'm doing now. Yeah. You know, especially when you're on set and you got stylists who ask, you know, they already have something in mind that they want to put you in. Mm -hmm. But then when you come in with your own style and you dress up how, what you like, yep. you know, they see how you're dressing. Like, oh, wow, I love that. Like, so many keep times, that on. So many times I, I, mean, I think about it and you show up and they're like, yeah, what you're wearing is great. Because if you think about the character you know you're playing and, you know, is it a car commercial? Is it a food and beverage thing? Like, what's the tone of the brand? Exactly. You can, if you can put your mind in the stylist's head before you show up, you can do half their job for them, if not all their job for them. And they'll, you know, they'll be thankful for that. No, it's that's what I'm saying because a lot of work goes into styling. Man. Oh, man. Like, you know, at first I thought I wanted to do that. But man, <sighs> so like. So many clothes. So many clothes, <laughs> So many man. racks and racks of clothes. That's, receipts, hangers. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I got love. I got love for everybody on set. You know, I love what I do as like a model and actor. But, you know, those people who really make productions move, like my hat goes off to you yeah. guys because talent we just get to show up yeah you know but they're there before us they're there, they're before there us, after they're us after us man they got a trunk full of shit like, yeah <laughs> you know and a lot of the times a lot of the jobs i've booked 
um, I've I usually rebook working with the same people. Yep. You know, especially when you help create their image or you surpass the image that they had. That's something even better. Mm -hmm. That's when you add more value to set absolutely. other than just being a, a model or a talent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just coming with with style. Like you know, like every day it's a job interview. Even when you're even when you already booked the job, you already know that director is gonna it has another project coming out. Of course. You know, like know who you're talking to on set. And that's another reason to stay in touch with people. Follow them on Instagram because you show up to set. It's like, oh hey, one we did that uh, real estate shoot down in San Diego, exactly. remember? Like, and then she does your makeup again or does your styling again. And, like, you can remember them. And knowing their name and just, like, that's such a – it differentiates you from the average person who shows up and is like, where am I going? Where's my holding? Okay, bye, you know? No, definitely. It's funny. Like, recently, um, before the end of the year, I booked this amazing job um, where it was in Florida where I shot for a Disney World commercial. Um, where I got to – which was awesome just because um, they were trying to uh, – recreate or you know break the ties from the racial norms of uh disney princes and princesses yeah, and yeah. characters yeah i saw that on your you IG. know yeah so it was amazing i got i thought i was gonna be a aladdin <laughs> you know because i've been growing out the hair yeah. the look you know i had a, a, a opportunity to audition for disney aladdin for that role didn't book it you know obviously obviously you're not <laughs> you know, i'm not you know i'm not it's all right it's all good you know Shout out to everyone that books, you know, the jobs, you know, yeah. that changed their lives. Like, you know, it's good for you. But, you know, I felt like, you know, I thought I was going to be Aladdin. But they, and they ended up having me be Prince Charming. Like yeah. the, 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 the prince for, for Cinderella. Yeah. You know, and it was awesome because um, the production who, a uh, company that sh uh, shot that, I think it was eight days because they had three different segments. They mm -hmm. had like an Incredibles family. They had an Alice in Wonderland segment. And then they had a Cinderella segment. Yeah. So there were, I think it was like eight to ten day production. Sure. And you know, they're going by really fast. And during that time, there was a hurricane going on in, uh, um, where was it? In Florida. And mm -hmm. in Orlando. And so, and during that time, it was actually around the time where I was actually going to meet my father for the first time. Wow. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make the trip because it was my grandmother's birthday. So, you know, this was like a big step in, you know, meeting my father. And so I was like, you know, shoot, like, I really want to meet them. But, you know, you know how it is in this industry. Mm -hmm. If you book that job, you can't say no. no. It's, like, it's like a national, you know, commercial for Disney World. Yeah, like, I'm not going to miss that's that. That's a change your year job. That, yeah, that's a change your year. Like, yeah. you know, change your life. You know, you know, if you meet one producer that's doing that and then, you know, they're also doing a, a show. Yeah. And, oh, I'm also an actor. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know. You just got to take those opportunities. Because all those directors, they're doing movies and shit. Like, exactly. The, the commercials are their side hustle. Exactly. You know? So it's funny. So that same production that did that um disney world commercial also did uh the coke ad i did um how many i think it was like three months uh before and they remembered me it's like oh yep. Keenan, good like, to work with yeah, yeah. Like, it's good to see you again and i didn't recognize him at first the production manager mm -hmm. but he remembered me because i was i was on set for like three days with coke we were like Six Flags, and then you know we had like the white family and the Mexican family. Yeah. So I was in, I was booked as like the son for the Mexican family, yeah. and then so yeah, they remembered me, and it was funny because I had booked a few jobs in between the days that were you know where they wanted to shoot. So I didn't think I was gonna book it, and mm -hmm. then I, I was already booked out trying to fly to 
uh, Utah where my father lives right. and where my grandmother lives. And I was, you know, so you talking to Will. going on at once. Yeah, I was talking to Michael and Will. I'm like, hey, you know, which are the, you know, people in our, in SLU agency. Shout out to SLU agency. Yeah. And I was telling my, hey, like I'm about to meet my father for the first time for my grandma's birthday. Like, you know, I already, we've been planning this. Yeah. You know, like, I really don't want to make, I really want to make both this work. You know, I'm only available this one day. Mm-hmm. And they still booked me. Wow. You know, and I was only available one day out of like the 10 days. Because they wanted you. Because they wanted me that yeah. bad. And I was already shooting uh, multiple jobs that same week. Yeah. And because of the weather, they kept pushing the schedule back. And they flew me out for that one day to shoot. You know, and it just goes to show you like, you know, energy doesn't die. You know, people will remember you if yeah. you're if you're hardworking, you're kind. You bring the energy on set. You bring set. the energy on set. You listen. You listen. Yep. You know, so that was just like a huge blessing, and I got to you know still meet my father and my grandmother and my grandfather. That's um, amazing. You yeah. know, and I still got to work all the jobs I needed to work. You know, yeah. and so it just kind of goes to show you, like, you know, don't matter. You know, no matter what, like even if you're having a bad day and you don't feel like you want to, you know, bring your A game, always bring your A game. Just yeah. like, you know, that one big job can like set your year up. You can pay your rent for one year off of that one job. Yeah. And, and also the, another part of that is like obviously bring your A game because that's going to help you get repeat bookings. But, mm-hmm. you know, we talked to when I talked to Will McNeil and Michael Huth communicate with your agents even if it's a negative thing or like a thing in your life that has nothing to do with your modeling career. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you're meeting your dad. If you share that with them, A, it shows that they're a real person who has things going on in their mm-hmm. life with which they should be aware of. And B, it's just that like level of transparency and honesty makes them get to know you better. And they're going to be more willing to work around something that's more important as, a, exactly. as opposed to saying, oh, I have to be out of town. Whereas if you say, I have to be out of town because I'm meeting my dad for the first time, yeah. like they're going to work harder for you. No, definitely. Because it's vulnerable of you to, to, to admit that. You no, know? definitely. And it's dope because I know the people at uh, Slew Agency, man, they're like a second family. Yeah. You know, and I always just keep it 100 with everything I'm trying to do. You know, when I told them about that, you know, they were they were really happy for me. You know, and, you know, I always try to stop by the agency when I can. and always mm-hmm. drop something off. Like that's another thing. Talent. Stop by your agency and give gifts to your bookers. Yeah. You know, show them love. Bring them some smoothies. Bring so they remember good. you. You know, they work so hard. And everyone I know in this industry is always complaining about how they're not getting enough. Like, yeah. we all want to book. Yeah. You know, and everybody deserves to book. But if you're not going to, you know, show love to people who are helping you get booked, like, you know, you're not always going to get what you want. You right. Know? But, you know, bring them gifts and appreciate what they do. But also... Go in and show them who you are. Outside, exactly. your, like you walk in looking like you do right now. They know, oh, this street style job just came up. Keenan be perfect for it. I exactly. bet he could show up and on set and wear his clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, I go in and they're like, oh, he's you know clean cut, midwestern, probably could look like an all American quarterback. You Definitely. Know? They know because your photos don't always show every aspect of your personality. Because exactly. like I said, like we were talking about earlier, is it's hard to get test shoots, and it you is, can't. Man. You can only get so many squeezed in in your year and your weeks and your days. So you gotta find another way to get to know your agents to appreciate them and have mm-hmm. them get to know you because definitely. the more they know about you the better they can book you no definitely you know, you know and i feel like i've been blessed enough to be with Stu for a while now and i know of you know every time i meet people they're always asking me yo like how do you get into Slu? Yeah. like you know like I'm, I'm pretty sure you get it too you know people are like oh i've submitted like five times they haven't responded to me yeah but it's like hey it's competitive man how and did you get in honestly man amazing so um i worked with uh it's are you, are you familiar with the nine five the the, mm. the collective they're like sounds familiar so they're i forgot um so they're this amazing collective 
they're photographers and videographers. Um, man, I think I forgot their name, but that's the collective of their their group. And they hit, contacted me for a test shoot mm-hmm. um, just because I was trying to build my book in sports and fitness. Because during the time um, I was still living in San Diego, I was signed with No Ties. Okay. Uh, no Ties Management, another you know great agency out of San Diego. Yeah, I know No Ties. And then so. Um, yeah, they contacted me. I was fresh out of like college football, so I was like, you know, I was probably like 195. What? Yeah, I was, dude. I was so much bigger. That's back like in my the size. Day. Yeah, yeah, so I was like husky, like yeah. not like you know, I, I didn't have like the shredded six pack, but you know, your boy had arms, yeah, you had some legs, stout. yeah. You know what I mean? Like football bod, you know? Yeah. Not dad bod, like football bod. What do you What do you weigh right now? Like 170. Yeah, I was you know, keeping say. it lean. You know, yeah. just trying to be, you know, marketable in both fields. Sure. But yeah, so I did this football shoot. Um, where, you know, um, it was like in studio and then this is where I met Steph, Steph Corgill. Yep. Shout out to Steph Corgill, another OG in our agency. I think she's like 10 years. Oh, she's a pro. She's a pro, man. Her episode's a great one to listen to. No, definitely. One of my favorites, you know, she, she's amazing, sweetheart, amazing human being. Um, yeah. And so she met me and we had, um, so I have like a really close family friend of mine. Shout, shout out to the Elegato family, Ariana Elegato. She played basketball over at, uh, I think it was Santa Barbara, uh, mm-hmm. UCSB. Mm-hmm. And she played, I think it was like San Luis Obispo or, yeah. or one of those colleges. And they're kind of like rival schools and, you know, Steph's a hooper. Yep. And then so I met, I referenced, uh, you know, my family friend, you know, technically, you know, because I've known them for a while. I almost call, oh, she's like my cousin. Right. You know, because, like, you know, I used to go to Bible study at their house. Like their, her older cousin was studying to be a pastor. And so, you know, I'd hang out with them a lot. Yeah. And then so I referenced her and she knew her. And then she saw what I was able to do on set for 9-5, like diving catches in studio, one-handed catches. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, you're an athlete. Like, you're really good. Like, you know, have you heard of SLU? You should totally apply. And then, um, and then from there, you know, uh, I submitted. Um, and then it's funny. I also did a test shoot. Shout out to Jane Coke. Um, yep. That's another good friend of mine I go way back with. Um, we did a test shoot together. Um, and then they saw my photos um, with her. And then they, they kept asking, kept bringing me up. But I was still signed with no ties at the time. Mm-hmm. And then so I was kind of hesitant to, to jump on SOU's board just because in that time they wanted me to drop all my representation yep. uh, to join because they wanted to have me on the mother agency contract just because I was still young. I didn't really have a developed book. Right. Um, I was with no ties management in this other agency in New York called A Model Management. Mm-hmm. Um, they were more focused on fashion, high fashion stuff in New York. But to be honest, during that first like two years of my modeling career, I literally was not really booking anything. I yeah. was very like first two years for me. I was with SLU and I I'd booked a couple jobs a year because yeah. I, you know I didn't know how to build a book. I didn't know how to. I didn't even know what I was going for. Yeah, I didn't know who I was and yeah. what I wanted to represent. Yeah. And when I first came into the modeling world, my only understanding I had about modeling was fashion. Yep. Um, and like, like underwear, underwear. Yeah. You know, men who were completely ripped. You know, in briefs. Yep. That's what you think. You of. know, oiled up. You <laughs> know, like you know David Gandy type of stuff. Yep. Like. You know, like, you know, fragrance ads. Yep. You know. Because all, all you saw as a kid was like Tyson Beckford, yeah. underwear models, and then like polo blue or yes. like cool water. Yeah. And all, that's all I thought of as modeling. I had yeah. no idea that lifestyle modeling or sports modeling or, you know, commercial acting was like even on, it wasn't even on my radar. Yeah, same. Yeah. I had no idea about that um, until I got into no ties because the thing is when I was with that 
agency out in New York, they only wanted me for spring summer looks just because I guess that was the season for, I guess, people of color during that time when I started modeling. Yeah. Just because, you know, they they didn't, I guess in modeling, they didn't really have a pre presence for like Asian American or, or, you know, Hispanic people in that market in New York yet. Sure. Like, I think I saw a statistic where it was like less than like 10% of models that are like brown or uh, Asian American or Hispanic or Chicano American or whatever, whatever you want to identify with, mm -hmm. uh, book jobs out there. Really? Yeah. To this day or back um, then? I think it's grown. It's gotten better. But yeah. when I first started and what made me not want to uh, jump into fashion modeling was because I read those statistics. And from yeah. my experience, you know, I was living in New York for a couple months uh, you know, during the summer. And then just run into castings, casting, crashing, mm -hmm. uh, casting, uh, crashing castings, yeah. you know, yeah. from buddies of mine who were like Wilhelmina or people who were at Next and just living that like New York lifestyle. It was hard, man. Like, yeah. you know, like taking the subway. Oh, I missed the express. Like, and I had my family out in New York lives either out in Queens by Queensbridge or in Upper East Side Manhattan near Bronx. Mm -hmm. So like the, so the train ride all the way back down because yeah. you're in Manhattan, yeah. like South Manhattan, it was it was tough, That's man. That's a commute for just it's an commute. audition that you might not get. Yeah, you know, and you I probably already, won't get. Yeah, you know, and a lot of the times, like they always book the same models in yep. New York. Yep. And then so from there, that's when I realized, you know, man, like I was trying to reevaluate my life. Like I went back to school, and I started studying film because my true passion I knew was always film and acting and mm -hmm. like you know trying to tell stories. Yeah. I always felt like I was always I've always been a storyteller. Um, you know, and, and at every avenue, like even in dance, like I grew up a b-boy, you know, like telling yep. your story and where you're from through your dance style or like telling a story through your brand, sure. you know, or, you know, even just simply telling a story when you're at a party with your buddies, like, <laughs> oh man, yeah, yo, we got out the car yeah. and yo, he didn't want no smoke, you know, it's whatever. Just tell, tell a story on a podcast, yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So I felt like when I... Once I started focusing on things that I was passionate about, I felt like my life started having more of a direction. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's after we did that ASIC shoot yep. and I started booking more things in uh, the sports world and I understood that was my strength. Yep. And I saw they didn't really have people of color like me doing stuff like that. But they wanted them. But they that wanted that. That was like that. The, the tipping point yeah, for, it was. for I, the ethnically ambiguous look, for sure. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, I don't want to like take credit or like, you know, give myself kudos. But I would say I'm, in, at least in my eyes and at least in the, the eyes of my community, I'm one of like the first, you know, Filipino American or like Latino American models who are booking uh, regular sports campaigns. Mainstream, mainstream Nike, big, big Nike, uh, Nike, ASIC, Saucony, yeah. you know, running and showing that identity that of, you know, brown people are also went to fitness brown too. And we're also great athletes, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, so, because I get a lot of... Um, and you had the fade, you had like the cool yeah, look. Yeah, definitely. Had... Now I've been I've been changing the look up just because, you know, acting nowadays, it's really? like, I've been getting more auditions because it's more of an indie look now with longer hair. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I and I go in for a lot of Native American roles now. I can see that. Yeah, just because like my father, I grew up, um, you know, I didn't grow up with, but once we started communicating, you know, talk on the phone, he'd always, you know, he he... He has a Native American background being Yaqui Indian. So uh -huh. my grandmother is Yaqui Indian. Um, and my, my grandfather is uh, born and bred in America, but his ancestry comes from Wales. Yeah. 
And then so, uh, you know, diving into that history, and I've always felt like a connection with Native American culture, mm -hmm. just because a lot of my friends growing up were Native American too. Um, so it, it's it's been nice because then when I throw that hashtag in there after I, I put a then I put Native American and then I put my ad of like Nike or whatever, I get so many Native American kids on the res who are like, "Man, you're so cool! Like yeah, you give me hope, yeah. you give me like you know I can do it too, you know." And so you know nowadays like. Being in this industry uh, makes me realize that, you know, having, um, you know, the platform that you do have and you share it with the youth, the young people who are inspired by you. I think that's one of the best feelings when you could excite a young child into yeah. wanting to be better because they see something that's, you know, they see themselves they in see a photo. A they see potential. They see potential themselves because they see you doing it, yeah. you know, and they could identify with you. So I feel like that's one of the most amazing things I feel like, you know, modeling and acting has brought to me, Yeah, you know, and yeah, it helped me find my dad. That's um, amazing. That's such yeah. an incredible story. No, definitely. You know, and, you know, shout out to my, my father and my family out in Utah, all my cousins who I was able to meet that living out in LA yeah. also. So it's like I've kind of just grown in my, more in my love and within my family being out here. You know, so it's yeah. been great, man. So I want to talk, talk about energy a little bit. Okay, definitely. You got a lot of energy. Thank you. Uh, I was just on <laughs> set with, you know, Rhino Source Flex? Oh, that's my boy right yeah. there. <laughs> Ryan. So I finally worked with him. He's, I mean, he's a big deal in the sports modeling world. No, definitely. He's, a fucking he's like beast. the GOAT in our agency, I would say. Yeah. I'll label him the GOAT. Ryan, you're yeah. the GOAT right now, bro. And uh, we've been talking. I want to get him on the podcast, too. But um, we did an e-com shoot recently. And like, nice, bro. you know, e-com is boring you yeah just, but hey, it's good but money like, though <laughs> if you get if you get good music and the creative director's having fun and you get the rhythm of the photographer down yeah. it just kind of like moves yeah but this was a one day thing so we didn't get the rhythm down yeah everyone's blinking and like we weren't really sure what the tone was right? and it was just quiet and it was just a slow day on set oh, i feel and we got through it we made our money it's a great day rate and you know ryan and i connected but like do you find sometimes you need to bring down your energy to match the crew or do you try to just like get everyone to your level definitely you know that's a good question you know like i always feel like it's important to gauge yeah. uh, your environment um just so that you could be you know as talent you got to be able to be flexible and work with people right you know like you know I'll, i never want to compromise like who i truly am because I know what I'm trying to bring is something positive and, mm -hmm. you know, bring a little bit more positive energy and, you know, like amp things up just a little bit, you know, not to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, if people aren't familiar with the kind of energy I bring. But I feel like depending on who you're working with, like sometimes you could be doing too much on set, especially as a model. Yeah. Especially in e-com. Sometimes they don't want those big movements. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they want you stock still. Yeah. They, sometimes they just want like something slight. So it's yep. like knowing how to work your energy and around what's needed yeah. because like sometimes you want to show what you can do like oh i could do a backflip or <laughs> i could do you know i could spin on my head or yeah. i could do all these cool dance moves or these kinds of actions because like, i'm an cool, athlete but we just want a profile shot yeah we yeah. just want a profile shot <laughs> yeah. we just need you to like be three quarter maybe and one look. hand in the pocket yeah, like one don't hand get in too crazy yeah <laughs> exactly so it's understanding how to like find that balance because in e-com especially like those days could be long well, yep. you know and I, I know for me, like fitness shoots, running shoots, like I always bring that energy. Yeah, you need you, it you for got those. a long day. If you're going to be, you know, sleeping and being low energy, you're not going to, you know, bring what you need to the table. You're not providing the service that they booked you for. Right. You know, so definitely in e-commerce, you know, depending on the photographer's circumstance, you know, don't compromise who you are and the energy you bring, but know how to like uh, 
uh, you know, change the channel on it so that you could yeah. be easy to work with. Yeah, you don't want to be annoying because, you know, maybe the director's process or the photographer's process is they need to be quiet. They need to be in their head. They need focus. They're trying to get a very particular shot. They're trying to recreate something that they've seen before off the mood board. And if you're just bouncing off the walls, you're not going to help them do that. You're yeah, not going to be definitely. in service of their mission. Exactly. But there are times when, you, so how do you, how do you work on finding like, stillness if you're stillness? if you're looking for it definitely i would say you know a lot of the the photographer's direction is key because yeah. i know i have things i like to do as a as a model that i feel like works for me yep you know like certain movements and certain like looks i know works for me yeah that you come like yeah that that like, you know, exactly <laughs> yeah. like there's this hilarious uh facebook ad or not this random like youtube video i suppose i first saw it on facebook yeah. but it's like have you seen like that uh there's like it's i think it was called like a1 modeling oh, is it the one the guy who does like 27 poses yeah in 15 it's like seconds? Ching, ching, yeah ching. ding 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 yeah ding, and i I actually learned a lot from just watching I watched that. that too. It was like, yeah. dang, oh, I didn't know you can do that. Yeah. That looks good. Okay. And everything is slight. Um, my bad. What was the question again? It was what is how it? you how you find the stillness when you stillness, need it. Whether okay. it's on set and you're trying to bring energy down or just in your daily life. How do you find like how do you bring it down? Definitely, man. Because I know with my energy, I honestly, I would say man it's tough i listen to a lot of podcasts yep. you know where i could kind of just focus my my thoughts and ideas on on one thing and mm -hmm. a lot of the things that i like to listen to is like you know jay shetty's an amazing person a lot of the things he talks about is like you know lifestyle things that help with you know finding your purpose and yeah. finding stillness mm -hmm. you know so i love to listen to like inspirational things morning affirmations of course yep. you know especially before a set day or before a big audition i love to put my mindset in something that's positive that gives me energy but still gives me yeah. stillness because you know before you go into like a big audition especially as an actor you know you have to learn how to like you can't be like all over the place like you no, want to no. get that amazing performance but you always got to find that balance where you're you're getting the story across mm -hmm. so i would say it's you know listening to like my favorite people you know that help me find that peace of mind you know cats like jay shetty are dope um you know, I'm trying to think, man. A lot of the stuff on YouTube where it's just com compilations. Yeah. You know, a yeah. lot of the um, the coaches, like, whatever it is on YouTube, like, I'll just dig through a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like things like that. You know, of course, fitness, working out is something that always yeah. keeps my mind. Calms me down, focus, too. It calms me down, like, just because you're exerting that kind of energy. Um, you know, luckily, if you're in a healthy relationship, uh, an amazing partner can help you bring sure. your energy into a calm place. Can balance you it out. Can balance yeah. you out. So definitely, being in a healthy relationship, you know, definitely spirituality. You know, I find prayer very soothing for me. Yeah, I mean, we know? we just talked about spirituality on the last episode, and it's something that's. I feel like I'm. I don't really focus on a lot in my mm -hmm. life. So what do you do to sort of get in touch with your spirituality? Definitely, you know, like, you know, it's funny. I'm. I would say between the end of last year and this year, I've been going to church a lot and I go to a lot of different churches. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up Catholic. Um, I don't really go to Catholic church. I go to usually non-denominational churches. Yeah. So an amazing church I like to go to, um, uh, one La Brea, the Potter House, it's right there um, on La Brea. Um, amazing evangelists and speakers. Um, an, another amazing church I like to go to is uh, Zoe Church. Mm -hmm. um, another, they also have like podcasts and they always have like live streams of the service. Um, but like just kind of like finding 
motivation into things that are bigger than yourself yeah, and exactly. trying to find purpose in your life because you want to be able to give back and you want the universe to use you to be an positive influence on your environment and your community. Yep. Like that's what I find motivation, like being able to, um, you know, use my spirituality so I could spread love and light yeah. and not just, you know, take and gain, you know, I feel like when you could show what you can give and not what you can take, that's when people want to work with you and you'll yep. be more fruitful in your career. Yep. You know, don't focus about numbers. Just focus on, um, you know, just being, you know, just professional, you know, a nice person, like, mm -hmm. and just being available, you know, and just being there at the right time. Communicative, yeah. Communi you know, and like, you know, there's so many things that you can do, but I feel like those are like the big three. Yeah. Like just being in the industry and like, I feel like f uh, finding my spirituality again, but within this past, uh, you know, year has been something that's really helped me as an actor. Yeah. You how, know, how is it? How is it helping you as an actor? Because I'd imagine, you know, as an actor, you're you're trying on different roles, but you also have to be very confident in who you are at your baseline. Definitely. So you can then move in the direction of what the, the character needs. Right. No, definitely. And I feel like, you know, before any audition I go into, um, once I since I started acting, you know, I always, you know, I love to watch interviews of my favorite actors on YouTube. You know, there's so many dope yeah. interviews of yeah. like Denzel, um, <laughs> yeah. so many dope interviews of like, you know, Jason Statton or whatever, like whoever your favorite actor is. Um, yeah. I mean, go on YouTube. You can find anyone talking about anything. Yeah. And it's going to help you in your life. You know, and then so I love to I, I try to pray and just ask God to use me as a vessel so I could tell this story, mm -hmm. you know. And I try not to put my ego and as an artist, this is what I want to do. Yeah. But I just try to, you know, ask the universe, I ask God, like, whatever it, my truth is in this role. And I hope that the director and the people and the producers um, see what I could bring on the table. Yeah. And that I could be a vessel to tell the story. You know, to be honest, a lot of the roles I go out for, um, a lot of them are pretty dark. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, you know, like There's a lot I, of dark content. Out yeah, there, right there is, now. you know, and, you know, I know like, you know, in the acting world, there's still a lot of like, um, you know, colorism and et cetera. Like we don't need to get into that, but there's a lot yeah. of it. And I know I go out to be honest, surprisingly as like the dark boyfriend or like the abusive boyfriend type <laughs> role, you yeah. know, and, you know, recently I actually just booked uh, one of my first uh, roles. I'm going to be shooting actually this February. It's a Native American film. It's called But I Love Him. Uh -huh. Um amazing. Oh, yeah, I get uh, what that's about. Yeah, there's a yeah, clearly. Yeah. It's with an amazing Native American director named like Tessa Potter. Um and she's telling a story about what goes on in the in, on the reservations, mm -hmm. so like how like women could be stuck in abusive relationships yeah. with men, yeah. especially things that happen on the reservation where you know there's not a, lot, a whole lot of opportunity to make money, and a lot of people um, focus all their energy on like drinking drugs. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, abuse in abuse. a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, especially what happens to Native American women. They're one of the most, you know, like disenfranchised people or like yeah. that culture in general is very and the resources the shelters it's not exactly, the same as you know? the general population and so yeah so before I went to the audition I just prayed you know because I was working on it and I knew it was a dark role I know that's not my that's not the kind of person I am like I've yeah. never hit a woman I don't necessarily try to I don't curse at women yeah you know like I grew up with all women so I love women right. and so it was like a, it was kind of like a dark place for me but you know like and you know there's parts of my life where I, I've witnessed trauma from my mother who was in once in a verbally abusive relationship mm -hmm. um, when I was young. So I kind of like 
understood like and seeing that going up and you know the fact that it hurts me that you know women have to go through things like this you know i pray like god please use me as a vessel so that i could help women who are in situation situations like this get out of it yeah you know so because when you're in it you don't see it right you know and so i just you know that's what i prayed for and you know i was lucky that you know my girlfriend she's also an actress she was working it through it with me and she's also talented. She was, she was able to help me get into a, like a dark place, mm-hmm. you know, and I was able to bring that into the audition room. And, and then, then did you have notes from producers or directors or anyone kind of guiding you through the audition process or yes. was it all up to you? No, funny. So I had this intent of uh, this idea because in the role, I just watched uh, the marriage story. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. By, uh, well, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson and, uh, Donald Driver. Driver. Yeah. Adam Driver. Yeah. Adam Driver. Forgive me amazing performances by both yeah. of them and you see the the beauty in that story how you know you're rooting for both of them mm-hmm. you know it's like dang like it sucks they're divorcing but they're you know they both love their son they're both trying to you know make it work but you know like he's moving to la etc yeah. and so i had this idea where for the role because i know in my heart i'm not like a controlling manipulated type of person mm-hmm. you know if anything i'm kind of been the victim in most of my relationships <laughs> you know so you know how it feels on the other side yeah on the other side <laughs> yeah. you know not know when you're in a bad relationship but you're trying to make things work yeah and so in my mind like in the scene like i i become physically violent and in in the scene the woman is trying to defend me because her friend witnessed um the physical abuse i i did to her mm-hmm. and then she's standing up for me he's like please don't call the the police like he's gonna do six months on his warrant etc yeah, yeah. you know and then i'm hearing her say that she stood up for me and in my mind i you know i was i was feeling remorse and resentment for what i had to do because the 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 monologue or the short little um passage i was saying was like I was penting and saying, I'm sorry, I love you. Yep. I would never do this to you. I didn't mean it. You know, that girl you think I'm texting is just trying to break us up, like, et cetera. But really, the notes I got was, okay, that was beautiful. Like, I loved what you did. But now, like, shift the energy to where it's like, we're manipulative, you're controlling, where it's like, like you don't mean it. Yeah, yeah. you don't mean it. Like, yeah. it's like, come on, baby. Like, you know, I, you know, I don't mean it. Of course, she's, everybody knows she's like, yeah. you know, just, she, she's just trying to get in my pants to break us up. Like, right. You know, I would never sleep. And with that's her. where listening you. to the director, listening to the producer yeah. is so important because like, yeah, you had this idea of how you think it should go. Yeah. You went in and they're like, great job. That's not how it's supposed to go. Yeah. And so if you can't make that shift and you get stuck in your ego, like yeah, you're talking about, exactly. then you fucked yourself. Exactly. And I was able to take that direction and, you know. It's always fun to play a villain sometimes. Yeah. You know, and a lot of like the the classes I've been taking, I'm either the romantic lead or I'm like the romantic villain. Yeah. You know, most yeah. of the, the roles I get for auditions um, in general. So it was just fun. I completely understood. Like, okay, perfect. Yeah. Made that shift. Um, did a little bit dark. Like, you know, you know, it's funny because I was acting with the director and then so I was doing stuff where I was touching her face. Something like, you just got to go for it. Yeah. You know, really, you know. Like be instinctual, you know. When once you start doing it enough and auditioning enough, then you'll start touching people a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, you'll go for it. You won't. Yeah. You won't think about it too much. Yeah. Because I remember when I first started audition, man. I was nervous. I was bombing auditions. Yeah. I wasn't listening, actively listening. Yep. I was stuck on my interpretation of like I got to kill it this way, and that's how yeah. they're gonna like. And me. you walk out thinking you did kill it, and yeah. you don't book anything. Exactly. Which we always go back to, like the ones where 
you 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 have an even like I don't do a lot of theatrical auditions or really any, mm-hmm. but even these little tiny commercial vignettes where it's just like you and your wife going shopping, and mm-hmm. it's like you have an idea when you're sitting in the waiting room how it's gonna go, and then you get in the room, and then the camera op gives you some direction, and it feels weird, and you walk out being like, uh, that didn't go how I thought it was supposed to go. That felt weird, and then you book it, yeah, because you listened and you did what he wanted from you, and not what you wanted exactly. From you. So that's being in service of that larger thing, a mm-hmm. vessel for a larger purpose. Yeah, it's funny, man. A lot sometimes you don't even got to do too much you yep, know and, yep. and a lot of auditions in general whether it's acting or commercial acting like it's more so knowing where the camera is yeah you know knowing where your eye line knowing yeah. where to look yeah so that you look your best when they see you you know and then you know just knowing how to take direction and listen because yep. it's funny man every time i go into like commercial auditions and then they have us improv it's funny when i when i'm in auditions people are inexperienced mm-hmm. and then they're trying to take over the audition oh, of course like i remember i recently had an audition i can't really say for who i got a call back for it yeah but you know one person in the audition because there's three of us one person started talking about uh spacex and tesla and then right when the first person finished talking the second person started talking about their own thing and didn't even didn't even listen yes to yeah. what she was talking about yeah. like tesla spacex they went straight oh yeah i'm excited to watch the conor mcgregor fight this weekend <laughs> and it's like bro like you, you just you just you just you know you just took the l because yeah. you couldn't even like oh yeah like i just got a new model s yeah you can just yeah listen and just you know you you were so caught up in trying to focus on how you sound what you want to say and how you look that you weren't being real and natural which Mm-mm. is what they're looking for in these commercial auditions because no, they had an idea of what they wanted to start the scene with yeah but it didn't happen yeah and then they stuck to it yeah and i guarantee that person didn't book that yeah they didn't like yeah. i already know it's funny because that person i ran into was in my acting class recently and i recognized him but he didn't recognize me because i grew up my hair yeah and then i was like yeah man like i'm about to jump into his class again next next month this is uh the class um i'm gonna i'm in or i you know hop back in to stay sharp his name is eric klein film actors workshop cool. amazing on camera class if you're looking to develop a reel for yourself and you don't really have any like short films under your book and you just want you know something affordable and something where you get uh you know develop your reel yeah great uh, super school. important just super like important. developing your book for modeling you gotta exactly. do it to book jobs yeah especially as an actor a lot of people don't yeah. even know where to start you no know? one's gonna take a chance on you because you have a pretty headshot yeah yeah exactly and it was funny because when i told him like yeah man i love eric's class and i asked him oh you're gonna jump in he's like nah man i hated that class yeah. and it kind of shows <laughs> in his work you know yeah, i don't want to he knows it all exactly Good i don't want to him yeah i don't want to say you know say people's names but it's funny man like yeah. you know i feel you gotta love what you do no matter what and i feel like if you focus on your plan a and you go all money in on it yeah you know you, you never know man like your dreams and that that one job that could set you up is just a ride around the corner yeah you just gotta keep your head down and grind yeah i know? mean it seems like you're on the right path and you've dropped so much wisdom on this episode and oh, dang, your story dude. is incredible i mean i can't believe that modeling helped you reconnect with your father that's no definitely that's an amazing no, amazing turn of events but do you have any last bits of advice for our listeners and it can be related to anything that's not just modeling you know just life just life in general man um it's crazy so i it have is a, crazy life man, is crazy. life is crazy <laughs> i have uh one of my best friends who passed away it's funny i have a I, it's crazy how i got into this like i didn't start taking this seriously until one of my best friends passed away he yeah. always believed in me um to be in becoming a model and an actor. Um, and then after he passed away, that's when I was like, man, life is short. You know, he accomplished what he accomplished. And he said he was going to do it in a short amount of time. 
I, I've told them like bits of who I, I am and what I want. I got to go after it too. Yeah. And something he always said was, uh, don't let your dreams be dreams. You know, that I feel like that's something that I've always uh, kept in the back of my mind every time I grind, every time I go out after anything, whether mm -hmm. it's like a workout or I'm um, about to jump into an audition. That's something I'm always thinking of and saying to myself yeah. just because, you know, you know, I love to pay respect to people who were with me from the beginning when I didn't have anything and everything was just an idea. Just and a dream. Just a dream, you know? And then, you know, seeing how he made what he wanted for himself happen and right when he accomplished it, he passed away. It reminded me like, yo, life's too short. Like, yeah. just go after what you want. And now it's funny to see that my other really good friend, shout out to my boy Sammy Cantu, amazing uh, stand-up comedian and commercial actor and model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's something we, we both live by and that um, I feel like has like excelled our careers. Like he's actually going to be moving to New York to pursue a stand up career because oh, he's cool. been he's been really active. Sorry, it's a plane, helicopter. Hel hold for helicopter. Hold for helicopter. <laughs> uh, you know how it'd be out here in L.A. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now he's uh, moving to uh, New York to pursue stand up career and just going after it. And, yep. he's, and he's booked a lot of amazing commercials. Um, you know, and we kind of inspire and push each other and, you know, we already know one day we're going to work together on a movie set. Yeah. Um, he's more into the comedy realm. I'm kind of like, um, trying to do it all with the acting, dramatic and drama, like mostly I would say for me, indie, I love like indie films. I want to do more like projects like that, yep. you know, with work with like unknown people and help them get their vision. And then hopefully that will you know, tie me into bigger stuff. But, you know, I'll take it a day at a time. I'm just thankful for the journey, man. Yeah. So, yeah, don't let your dreams be dreams. And bro. don't let other people's dreams be dreams. Help exactly. them get those Help dreams. them, man. Show love out that's there. Awesome. If you want love, you got to show love back. Like, bottom line, that's how it is, man. Dude, I love it. You no, know, I so love it, So simple, dude. so effective. I know, right? Thank that's you how for life being here, sometimes. brother. I know. I appreciate you, dude. Thank you so much for having me be on this amazing podcast. Yeah. So many amazing, talented people. You know, I'm excited to work with you again in the future. I already sure know we'll we're probably going to book another fitness job. Yeah. Hopefully a lifestyle job, man. We getting a little bit old, man, with these knees. I know. You know what I mean? All these running shoots and these fitness go shoots, bro. Out, CrossFit shoots, man. It's yeah. taking a toll. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's all blessings regardless, dude. All right, man. Well, thanks again. My brother, thank you. All right, bye, kids. Peace. That was great. You're so good.